This week, 45 years ago, a decade-defining movie premiered on a silver screen. Going only by the title, you might think that a movie called Saturday Night Fever, starring John Travolta as the king of the disco dancers, would turn out like a shotgun marriage between an old Elvis Presley flick and Welcome Back, Cotter. But it doesn't. In fact, it's one of the best movies of the season, a real sleeper and a big surprise. That was Roger Ebert, back in 1977, giving high praises to Saturday Night Fever, a gritty, low-budget film set in New York City that ended up becoming a landmark moment in all of American pop culture. Not only did it launch the career of actor John Travolta, but it shot the once-simmering disco movement into the stratosphere, thanks to an award-winning soundtrack that gave the Bee Gees a new lease on life, establishing them as one of the greatest musical acts ever. It wasn't all about bare chests and gold medallions, though. What about the other musical acts included on the soundtrack? On this bonus episode of Tunes, we take a deep dive into the songs and the artists that brought balance to the euphoria of the Brothers Gibb and helped shape the sound of an entire generation of dancers all over the world. I'm Diego Martinez, and this is People Getting Loose, the music of Saturday Night Fever. Before going into the tracks on the album, we need to look at the stats to understand just how big this soundtrack really is. At that point in time, it was the biggest-selling album in recording history. Since then, it has sold over 50 million copies, and it's now the second best-selling soundtrack ever after Whitney Houston's The Bodyguard. The soundtrack won a Grammy for Album of the Year in 1978, becoming the first and only disco LP to do so. It reached the summit of Billboard's album chart, and stayed there for 24 straight weeks, from January to July of 1978. During the first half of that year, the Bee Gees' contributions to the soundtrack spent 14 weeks at number one on Billboard's Hot 100 singles chart. And on March 1978, five songs written by the brothers Gibb were in the top ten at the exact same time, something that only the Beatles did back in 1964. So, how did the Bee Gees get involved in the first place? And what was the state of their career before their chart takeover? After a few years of experiencing a decline in popularity, Barry, Robin, and Maurice Gibb bounced back when they embraced the sounds of their new home, Miami, Florida. That change of scenery was right for them to reach a new audience with songs like the top 10 single, Nights on Broadway, and the 1975 number one, Jive Talking. By then, a new weapon was added to the Bee Gees' arsenal, Barry Gibbs' now immortal falsetto, encouraged by producer Arif Martin during the recording of their album, Main Course. 
that falsetto was captured all over songs from their next LP, Children of the World, which included another number one hit, 1976's You Should Be Dancing. In early 1977, the Bee Gees set base in the historic Chateau de Hureville in France. A former residence of Frédéric Chopin turned into a recording studio. They were there to mix a concert LP, Here at Last, Bee Gees Live, recorded at LA's Forum the previous December. They also had plans to work on their next studio album, with co-producers Albi Galudin and Carl Richardson. This is Barry Gibb, back in 2007. It was a great studio, and it had an, an amazing echo chamber, which was an old baronial hall, I think. Um, and so it was a great experience in that respect. There was nothing else to do but record. This is Robin Gibb, also from 2007. It was a 16th century building. We'd live there, we'd sleep there, and it was a little village nearby, and uh, Elton John had recorded Hon Honky Chateau there. A lot of artists had gone there to record. And, and just, you know, just have fun and make music. And it kept you focused. And, uh, and that's what we did. And uh, it's, it wasn't written in the middle of New York City. It wasn't in the London club scene. It was actually done in the middle of French countryside. The Gibbs' longtime manager, RSO Records founder Robert Stickwood, arrived at the Chateau with a brand new project. Stigwood was on his way to producing a film directed by John Batten and based on a mostly fictional piece written by music columnist Nick Holm for a June 1976 issue of New York Magazine that dealt with the rise of nightlife activity in Gotham City. It was titled, Tribal Rights of the New Saturday Night. Vincent was the very best dancer in Bay Ridge, the ultimate face. He owned 14 floral shirts, 5 suits, 8 pairs of shoes, 3 overcoats, and had appeared on American Bandstand. Sometimes music people came out from Manhattan to watch him, and one man who owned a club on the east side had even offered him a contract. A hundred dollars a week. Just to dance. Everybody knew him. When Saturday night came round and he walked into 2001 Odyssey, all the other faces automatically fell back before him, cleared a space for him to float in, right at the very center of the dance floor. Gracious as a medieval seigneur accepting tributes, Vincent waved and nodded at random. Then his face grew stern, his body turned to the music. Solemn, he danced, and all the faces followed. In this sphere, his rule was absolute. Stigwood was convinced that he could help bring the characters of Nick Cohn's article to life through this movie, and promptly asked the Bee Gees to stop working on their album and instead write some songs for the movie. They did so on a single weekend at the Chateau. The film was already close to the post-production stage by the time the Bee Gees were involved. All the original dance moves that John Travolta did were not set to Bee Gees' music, but to Boss Gags and Stevie Wonder. Mm -hmm. 
the first song the Bee Gees recorded for the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack was If I Can't Have You, later finished at LA's Cherokee Studios. However, their version could only be heard as the B side to the iconic Staying Alive. The honor of performing If I Can't Have You on the film's soundtrack went to another singer who had somewhat of a connection with the brothers' gig. Hawaiian vocalist Yvonne Ilman had been playing instruments since she was a child and singing with a folk group before she moved to London at the age of 17. Ilman was discovered by Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber, who asked her to sing the part of Marie Magdalene and the audio recording of the musical Jesus Christ Superstar. Not only did she perform on the 1970 concept album, but also on the 1971 Broadway cast and on the 1973 film adaptation. By this time, she had been romantically involved with Bill Oakes, president of RSO Records, a label that later offered her a contract. While performing with Eric Clapton's band, Yvonne recorded two albums with RSO, Rising Sun and Love Me, the latter featuring the title track, a cover of the Bee Gees original from 1976. The brothers Gibb had Ill Man in mind when they were working on the songs that would end up on the soundtrack to Saturday Night Fever. In fact, it was originally intended that her contribution to the LP would be a cover of the first single of the album, How Deep Is Your Love. Know your eyes in the morning sun I feel you touch me in the pouring rain This is Yvonne Ilman talking to Dutch Public TV back in 2011. So Robert Stigwood gave If I Can't Have You to Bill Oakes, who was my husband. And he said, have her listen to this and also have her listen to How Deep Is Your Love. I loved If I Can't Have You. So I said, that's the one I wanted to do. I liked it that it wasn't typically disco. I wasn't a huge disco fan. I was really into rock. I mean, a classic rock, you know, that's where I was. The disco thing was fun, but it was glittery. And I wasn't into glitter. I was into my t-shirt and jeans and my guitar. And it was fun, but... It's all play acting, you know. If I can't have you, I don't want nobody, baby. If I can't have you, oh, oh, oh. If I can't have you, I don't want nobody, baby. If I can't have you, oh, oh. The decision to record If I Can't Have You proved to be the right one for Yvonne Ilman. It became the fourth number one single of the soundtrack after the Bee Gees' How Deep Is Your Love, Staying Alive, and Night Fever. Another Bee Gees song saw its inclusion in both the movie and its soundtrack, not once, but twice. Well, I 
More Than a Woman was the perfect backdrop for the romantic dance of John Travolta's character of Tony Monero and Karen Lynn Gorney's Stephanie Mangano as they win the dance competition at the 2001 Odyssey Club. Earlier in the movie, they danced the tango hustle to the version of More Than a Woman, recorded by veteran R&B group Tavares. The Tavares brothers had a long history that preceded their involvement in the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. They started performing as early as 1959, and their band was the training ground of musicians like P-Funk architect Bernie Worrell and Aerosmith drummer Joey Kramer. Tavares was a regular on the R&B and pop charts during the early 70s, but soon their rhythm and blues background was underplayed by their dance and disco-friendly hits. Barry Gibbs is the one that wrote that song for Tavares. I mean, we had a, a great time doing it with them, you know. Here's Chubby Tavares speaking to DJ Chris Watts earlier this year. I mean, we have two versions of it on, on the album. And that was caused by our recording of the song wasn't ready yet when we did it. And they had a, a producer who wanted to start the movie film from the back end to the front. So what happened was they said, well, we'll put the Bee Gees demo tape in there, their demo part of it in there. And once your guys done, then we'll put it back in and we'll put it in that spot. But it didn't happen that way. They ended up keeping both of them in. But it was fine. I mean, you know, I don't think we've lost anything by it. Uh, we had a great album of the year and we received the Grammy Award. Besides the Bee Gees and Tavares, another act heavily associated with the disco era is KC and the Sunshine Band. Founded in Hialeah, Florida in 1973 by lead vocalist Harry Wayne Casey, the group was one of the first to ride the wave of the sound that would eventually become disco. They had experienced a string of number one singles like Get Down Tonight, That's The Way I Like It, I'm Your Boogie Man, and Shake, 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 Shake Your Booty. When their 1975 album track, Boogie Shoes, made its way into the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. The playfully suggestive song was released on the back of the success of the soundtrack, reaching number 35 on Billboard in 1978. It's worth noting that the soundtrack gave spotlight to artists and songs that have been influential in the development of disco. Case in Point is Open Sesame, 
originally the title track of the eighth studio album by Cool and the Gang, and a top 10 R&B single in 1976, and the house band from Philadelphia International, MFSB, who covered the Nightlighters' 1971 top 40 instrumental hit, KG, for their 1975 album, Universal Love. While we're on the subject of instrumentals in the early disco era, a name will surely come to mind. Walter Murphy and the Big Apple Band. The New York composer's claim to fame was the disco adaptation of the first movement of Beethoven's Symphony No. 5, an idea he came up with while writing a song for a commercial. Legend has it that Murphy sent a demo of this song and three others to several record companies in New York. Most of them ignored the work, except private stock records owner Larry Utall, who signed Murphy and recorded a whole album with him. A fifth of Beethoven, was released in 1976 and spent one week at number one on Billboard's Hot 100, selling two million copies. He tried to duplicate this formula on other classical songs, but these experiments weren't nearly as successful as a fifth. Another inventive and all-around musician present on the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack has been called The Ghost Behind the Million-Selling Albums. The late Ralph McDonald lent percussions to songs including David Bowie's Young Americans and Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. He has also played on recordings by just about everyone in the biz, from Harry Belafonte, Billy Joel, Quincy Jones, and Diana Ross, to Bette Midler, Steely Dan, Stevie Wonder, and Amy Winehouse. He even has songwriting credits on a couple of big hits, like 1971's Where Is The Love, a duet between Roberta Flack and Donny Hathaway, and 1980's Just The Two Of Us, a smash for Bill Withers and Grover Washington Jr. McDonald's publishing company, Antesia Music, plays the hypnotic 1976 instrumental Calypso Breakdown, the outro to his debut album, Sound of a Drum, on the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, much to the surprise of this humble giant. Though the Bee Gees tracks and covers dominate most of the two LP set, there is another composer that brought his excellence to the soundtrack. native of Buffalo, New York, David Shire had started scoring for television in the 1960s 
before making the leap to feature films the following decade. His work can be heard in movies like Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation, The Hinderberg, Farewell My Lovely, All the President's Man, and Return to Oz. Shire has three inclusions on the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, Manhattan Skyline, Night on Disco Mountain, based on Mabrowski's Night on Bald Mountain, and Salsation. He also recorded five instrumental cues for the film, but all of them remain unreleased. The soundtrack's final song is a 10-minute monster that has burned every single dance floor since. Like Tavares, The Tramp is yet another veteran act whose sound was extremely influential in the early disco era. Just listen to the 1972 cover of Sing When the Strings of My Heart, and you can hear the foundation of many classic songs that would follow, like Love Epidemic, The Nights the Lights Went Out, That's Where the Happy People Go, and of course, Disco Inferno. The title track to the 1976 album, Disco Inferno is a time capsule in and of itself. While its original release as a single didn't do much, it definitely benefited from being included in the soundtrack to Saturday Night Fever, finally reaching number 11 on Billboard's Hot 100 and becoming a staple for dance music with covers by Tina Turner and Cyndi Lauper. I didn't really want to go into just being a disco group because you're limited to airplay, you to get your records played, but we had such a big following. It's, it's like we had our own market. This is Tramp's founder, Earl Young, speaking in 2021. A keyboard player named Ron Kersey, he wrote a song called Disco Inferno. He brought it to us, and this was taken from uh, the movie the Tower Inferno, where they partied up on the roof and, and, and the fire started without the tragedy. But that was the idea of the, uh, the song. It wasn't a big hit at first. I mean, it, it went well. It sold a lot of R&B records, too. And it wasn't, it, it, we put the song, it was in uh, Ghostbusters. It was in the last days of disco, quite a few other movies. But luckily, Saturday Night Fever picked it up. It was the last song to go on Saturday Night Fever. We got on there, I would say, by law. It was the last one to come on. Wherever the movie went, we went. I mean, we went to places I would never in my life dream about going to. But the movie played, the movie played there. I mean, we grew up in hills and mountains, some place where we had to get helicopters to go to a gig, you know, but it was great. Forty-five years later, this movie and its soundtrack continue to move us, 
take us straight to the dance floor and live out the fantasies of a young Tony Monero, the girls who wanted him and the man who wanted to be like him. That's all for this bonus episode of Tunes, hosted and co-produced by yours truly, Diego Martinez. Our executive producer is Nicholas Nick Fresh Buzo, and our audio engineer is Adam Fogel. Follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at TunesPod. That is C-H-O-O-N-S-P-O-D. And become part of our community on Patreon, where you can have early access to our episodes, after-show discussions, and much more, starting at $5 per month. Go to patreon.com slash tunespot. Don't forget to rate us and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. And subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Podcast.